0: Forty-five and on to finish it off. So we'll go ahead and start reading that. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary, and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees, and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, "What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this," Everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And one of them, Cephas, high, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that, and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then, from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country, near the wilderness, to a city called Ephraim. And there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near. And many went from, uh, from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? And he will not come to the feast. And will he not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests... And the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. And we continue to see the Pharisees and other prominent Jews um, have the understanding that Jesus was performing miraculous works, miraculous signs. Yet with all that their only worry was their power, that the power was going to be removed. That their authority was going to be removed. Instead of letting that miraculous works confirm Jesus' message and who he was. Uh, the question that they, that they asked, what are we doing? Like, are we doing nothing? What are we doing? Um, that question was to motivate uh, each other into doing something different. And obviously, they decided to do something more extreme than what they were already doing. And that led him to the idea to kill Jesus. Uh an idea not of justice um at all, right? Which that whole council was supposed to be standing for was justice for the people. But instead, um they just went to uh made the decision upon based upon their convenience or their expediency. And that was to take a life. Of course, we see the irony in Cephas' statement that uh, shows that poor disposition that they're in uh, spiritually. Their thinking was so distorted, again, uh, that that made sense as the only answer to their problem. So they planned it out, and it was accepted by the council, the whole council there. And Jesus was to be found and put to death. That leads to chapter 12, which is that continuation down that road. With this chapter, uh, that we're going to be, uh, during this time period, we're going to be entering that final week of Jesus, Jesus' life on this earth, um, before his crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, remember that the beginning of John was covered that first week of his ministry. And now we've gone through his ministry, and now we're focusing on that last week, that final week, <clears throat> and uh, that's that's going to be the rest of John that we're going to be reading through is that final week of uh, Jesus's ministry. So let's go ahead and continue with verse one through eleven in chapter twelve. In the six days before the Passover, um, before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus. Who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor, you all you have with you always, but me you do not always have now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for jesus sake only, but they might also see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. but the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. <clears throat> So again, we see Jesus and his disciples, they return to Bethany. Uh, they had been out for a little while, roaming around, after spending uh, much time away from there. And we see that anointing uh, of Mary with that costly, that costly oil, that essential oil of spikenard, uh, which was at that period used for perfumes, obviously, but also for, um, flavoring uh, some spiced wines. All three of the uh, the gospel accounts, um, well, I should say all the gospel accounts have the anointing of Jesus in a similar manner, but uh, only Luke's the one that differs when you're looking at those, and it appears to have to be a different account, be a different story of him being anointed uh, because of those details. Uh, Matthew and Mark's account are pretty general in their uh, in their um, their details, right? Uh, all of them have it where Jesus' head's being anointed. Actually, Matthew and Mark have it where his head's being anointed. And here we see John's account talking about his feet being anointed. So Mary's using a pound of oil here, which uh, would make sense that she would have plenty to anoint his head, his feet, uh, and Jesus actually mentioned that he uh, that she anointed all of him. But while the focus here is on his feet, speaks uh, to Mary's her humility, her love, and her devotion to Jesus. Seems Lazarus, uh, their family, have some material wealth and, and status in the community, uh, in the Jewish community. They had a tomb to put Lazarus in, which again is uh, something typical for people with with wealth, had the money to do that. They possessed this costly ointment, and uh, they had a, a lot of the Jews from the area come, uh, also from Jerusalem, at the passing of Lazarus to help comfort the family and be with them during that time. If you remember from our earlier class, uh, a denarii, was uh, representative of a, a laborer's day wage. And so um, we see that 300 nari would be a lot of money. It's about a, a, year's, a year's worth of, uh, of work for a day laborer. It's a reasonable question that was brought up uh, about the, the price of it, right? Um, it's a lot of money. Uh, had it not been out of selfish interest from Judas. Jesus, um, when it was brought up, immediately came to Mary's defense on that, letting him know that that gesture that she was doing was appropriate, along with the timing, because, again, she was uh, helping prepare him for his burial, which was to come soon. And that would be the only anointing his body did receive, since he was resurrected before the women came to the tomb to take care of his body. I remember uh, throughout all this time, Jesus always had a large group of people around him. <clears throat> now add to that um, that people were there not only seeking Jesus, but Lazarus, right? Who was raised from the dead. Well, the questions I would imagine that he would get from all those people. So that number of people would just swell. This time, I would imagine it would be pretty tough to be a Sadducee. Um, Of course, who did not believe in the resurrection, right? And here they are hearing about a man being resurrected. Not only resurrected, but by a person whom you hate and plan to kill. Uh, Probably just adding fuel to the fire there for the Sadducees. Again, it was a resurrection that, would, that confirmed that person that you hate, their power and, uh, and their, their power from God. And again, it drew those people that followed you away to follow him. Again, they were already so far down that dark path. Um, why not plan to kill Lazarus too? What is another life to them? It's an interesting thought of trying to kill someone who's just been killed, or not killed, but died and been resurrected. Obviously, they're wanting to kill Jesus, the source of the power, and Lazarus, the evidence of that power. And that leads us to uh, verse 12 through 19. The next day a great multitude had come to the feast. When they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem... He took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified... Then they remembered that these things were written about him, and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, and raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason the people also met him, because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The group, um, <clears throat> the group of people that took the palms, palms were typically used, uh, for uh, various, um, celebratory events, including that rededita- rededication to the temple that we covered last class. The palms were a symbol of triumph and for, um, Jewish nationalism, which, w- which is fitting for the occasion. Right, they were, they were finally celebrating, they had re- made that realization that Jesus is King and the Messiah, and that's what they were calling about at this point. That, that brings us to the prophecy of Zechariah in 9 verse 9, which is being quoted here. Being told of their King seated on a donkey. And that imagery is interesting because donkeys were, uh, animals that were, uh, of lower status. You know, the common man used them, and typically when they were used, they were used for missions of peace. A horse, on the other hand, um, is typically used of of kings and the wealthy, uh, and those are associated with war, right? So that imagery is interesting, and we see that unique prophecy again that Jesus fulfilled, that had a a wonderful meaning. And the Gospel of John mentions um, Jesus finding a donkey when the other accounts mention uh, Jesus telling the apostles um, you know, where to go, how to obtain it, what to say if, if somebody talks to them about it or questions them about it. And it's just something that should be mentioned that they're both accurate, right? Um, they just describe it differently. Often in the Bible we see someone giving people instructions on their behalf or under their authority and that's the same as them doing it themselves in those cases. Uh we also see uh how after the day of Pentecost when the apostles received the Holy Spirit, um how it helps them with the, the miraculous knowledge, recalling scripture and how again that with fulfillment uh was through Jesus. Now leads us to verse uh, 20 through 36. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. We had talked earlier about uh, this ac- this this account here, where uh, the Greeks came. We talked about Andrew and who he was. And it's interesting because Philip um, he's he's kind of taught a lesson here. But first, we have the Greeks that are going up to the feast. Uh, and they're most likely proselytes because they're going to um, worship. During that, during that holiday, there were God-fearing Gentiles who followed Judaism. And that question, it's not answered. Um, the Greeks are brought to Jesus, and it's not really said what happens after that. But it does prompt Jesus uh, to tell them about his death, and after his death, that he would be drawing all people to himself. So that's a, a great message to those Greeks. Um, after his death. Again, it's an important message, not only for the Greeks uh, who were trying to see him, but the Jews that were there. Uh, He was letting, hopefully giving them that understanding that he would be opening salvation to all, right? And not only to the Jews there, but uh, also to his apostles. And again, we see Philip there. And we see Philip is going to be getting that message reinforced later on. We'll see that in Acts. If you remember all the times that we had been reading before, Jesus' hour had not yet come. He says that multiple times to multiple people. But that message has changed. Uh, his hour was coming. It is time. At least the verse 24 to 26. Uh, and we uh, had read those in those verses. Jesus spoke to the importance of his death, which is always a good reminder to us of of um, why he had to die, the purpose of it. He had to die to make that eternal life available to all. He further explained that um, transitioning into that those that don't follow God And those that seek their own desires are not going to have eternal life, right? Those who love their life. While those who hate that old sinful life, those who love God and follow him, that go against their self-interest, they will gain that eternal life. That's always a good message for us to remember. Jesus continues expanding upon that concept because uh, some of these almost seem, uh, different until you see that connection that the, the, all these, these three different, um, phrases or sayings that he, he gives them, almost parables, uh, they're all connected. And he expands upon that concept, going even further saying that, um, those who are his disciples, they will follow him, uh, and they'll be transformed into his image. Alright? They will be where he is. Where is Jesus right now? He's in heaven. And not only that, but the message that God will honor us, that's that's mind-blowing to be honored by God. What is that going to be like to receive honor from him? Even just the smallest bit, I can't fathom it, but I can't wait for it either. Jesus went on to show us his uh, humanity uh, in the next set of verses here. We'll go and read those. And it's going to be 27 through... Yeah, give me a sec here. 27 through 36. Now, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others had said, an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people unto myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus. Then said to them, A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. And these things Jesus spoke. And departed and was hidden from there. So here we see Jesus' humanity again being exhibited. He expresses his anxiety about his death. The human instinct for survival is causing an inner struggle with him. Yet, he overcomes that because he knows how important his mission is and is submitting himself to God's will. Uh, we're going to see him being mentioned here in John three times that he's troubled. He was troubled when seeing Mary and the Jews with her emotional turmoil, with them all in emotional turmoil over the death of Lazarus. And then we see him troubled and thinking about what is going to happen, uh, about what he's going to be put through, uh, through that, through that uh, crucifixion and his death. And then later, we're going to see him in chapter 13 being troubled, at the thought of Judas' betrayal, and Jesus uh, prays let the Father's name be glorified again. That's that resolute statement. Uh, even the the thought of that cup being, that desire of that cup being passed on, him, but he, that resolute prayer that he had was that God was to be glorified, and God responded. Um, so we've known we know that through the crucifixion God's name is going to be glorified Uh, and I wanted to just briefly think about how it was glorified already we've been mentioning that uh, through Jesus' ministry he's been glorifying God through his obedience um, throughout his life and again that ministry It's a confirmation that we see that Jesus didn't need. He knew what he was doing was glorifying God. Um, But it was for those people that were with him that needed that extra confirmation. We see people who were there who were spiritually deaf. They heard something. They considered it thunder or an angel speaking to them. Um... But we know that there were people there that heard that confirmation. John obviously heard it and understood it. I would imagine the rest of the apostles did, and even other disciples that were faithful. Jesus closed them out, not answering their questions um, that were misguided. that was being brought up. But uh, he closed out with reminding him that he's only going to be with them a little while longer. And they should be focusing on believing, you know, researching, seeing what he was saying was true, believing him, and following him to become sons of light. And we see that he departed from them, essentially closing his public ministry in order to prepare himself and his disciples for what was to come. That leads us to verse 37. <clears throat> 37 through 50, we'll close out the chapter. But although he had done many signs before them, they did not believe in him that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand them, understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sorry, he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command. What I should say and what I should speak, and now I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. In that section, verse 40, um, some take that to believe that God had completely come down and blinded those people and hardened their hearts to the truth. Uh, if that was the case, there wouldn't be a purpose in Jesus trying to reason with them uh, and calling for them to believe. right? So, We see that a lot of other people, uh, a lot of other followers, they listened to Jesus and they saw what he could do and they believed. Um, Throughout the Bible, we see cases of um, people's hearts being hardened and people being blinded. Uh, And that typically is done, um, they typically harden their own hearts initially. They start down that path, and God allows them to continue down that path. Uh, they're blinded, like what we see with the Pharisees, and says she's by their pride and or stubbornness to God's message and his will. And again, that's something that God gives us a choice. And if we turn from him and we continue uh, not following him, following his word, following his will, he allows it. He lets us go as far away from him as he wants. Um, And we do see that uh, God uses uh, that choice, our choice, to to not follow him. Even that he uses to his glory, to to fulfill his will. It shows how, again, all-knowing and all-powerful he is that he can use us if we choose to follow him or not for his will. John uh, wraps up this chapter with the example of the Pharisees uh, who did believe, right? Even though they did believe, they didn't confess him before men. So we see that's an aspect that we uh, should be looking at about ourselves. And we faithful believers, and are we confessing Jesus before men? Are we going out and teaching others and talking about him to others? Because we see that here, that wasn't acceptable. Uh, it was not acceptable to um, just follow Jesus and not have that be incorporated in your life, and your, your conversations and discussions. Um, again, we see that They sought glory from man and not God. and So we need to make sure we're not doing that either. That we seek to glorify God and not ourselves. Not um, worry about what the world thinks about our faith to God. John closes this chapter with Jesus' plea uh, to those around to have faith in Him. Because He's from God, and what he's saying is truth. The uh, example that Jesus left us with in this chapter and in in his whole ministry is not one of individual independence. I know that's something that um, our culture is heavy on, and I know that's one thing that um, I personally like about Alaska, is that Alaskans are typically independent. Uh, They are hard, hard hardworking. They get out and do things, and they enjoy God's creation. But uh, we need to be careful about that, because that can lead us down a path of thinking we're independent, that we can do things on our own, when we can't. We need God. And so, let us remember that example of Jesus. His example is obedience. It's faithfulness. It's that humility uh to the father right and that closes us off with chapter 12 uh i only have two more classes for uh to finish off john so for the the rest of this class we only have a couple more minutes until the bell rings um i'd like to continue reading in john the next chapters that we're going to be going through um They're pretty straightforward. And I'd like to at least read, hopefully, through chapter 13 today. So if you'd continue on with me through chapter 13. Now, before the feast of the the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended... The devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and had laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which... He had, uh, which was girded, which, uh, with which he was girded, excuse me. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing to you, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only wash my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and lord, and you say, uh, well, for I am so. If I then, if if I then your lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Nor is he greater, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you, before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he, most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in the spirit and te- and uh, testified and said, "Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me." Then the disciples looked at one another. Perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned him to ask who it was to whom he spoke. Then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Jesus had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, Buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, Where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give you: to you, That you love one another as I have loved you, That you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, If you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, said, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And we'll close there. Uh, Thank you all for being here uh, and for your love of God and his word, and I I pray that uh, you're blessed by his words that we covered in class today. Thank you.